Oh my gosh. Man, you guys sound like you're doing good. Um, hey, if you're new here, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Um, our, our lead pastor, Jim, is actually on vacation today. No, no, I'm playing. He's with the preteens. So if, if you want to help out with fourth and sixth graders, go back there right now. All right? I'm telling you, some, some of those kids, how crazy, some of those kids. But we, we love them. So, uh, but yes, hey, if you're new, I'm glad you could join us. Um, I, I do want to start... I do want to start this time off uh, in prayer, okay? I think it would be naive of uh, me not to bring up just all the evil, all the death, everything going on within, um, within our world that we live in, okay? Uh, and so um, it would also be naive of us to, to think that God doesn't care, all right? It, it, it would be crazy of us to think that God doesn't see, doesn't hear, doesn't feel how we feel, um, and doesn't see everything going on from, from Buffalo to Texas to, to everywhere else. Um, that would just be crazy. That would be crazy of us not to think that. And, and so I just want to read a few verses before we really get into our series. Um, Hebrews 4.13 says this, okay. Uh, because God sees, because he knows, because he hears us, because uh, we have a God who can relate to us and that there's nothing hidden um, from him, right? Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, all right? but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All right? God sees us. He knows what's happening down here, okay? He's not this God who's like Zeus who's just waiting to strike people for doing something wrong, but he is actually amongst us. Uh, he's among us, and he cares for us, and he feels what we're feeling, whether it's anger or hurt, right? He feels that. Um, second verse I, I really want you guys to see is that, uh, for we do not have a high priest, all right? We do not have a Savior. We do not have a God who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. We have a perfect God who understands what is happening in this world. He created it. Right? He knows all the ins and outs of what is happening right now. And, and maybe you're one of those people who, who's asking this question, if God is so good, then why doesn't he stop all of it? If God is, is who he says he is, right, if he is an avenger, if he is this guy uh, who cares for us and loves us, then why doesn't he, he do anything about little kids dying? Um, right, and if, if I'm being honest with you, I don't know. If you were to ask me why God allows all this evil to happen, I could give you the correct theological answer. Right, that God has a plan, that God has, knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, but why do people have to die for it, right? If, if we're being honest, um, I ha we have no clue. Uh, but what God does show us in, in Hebrews, right? Uh, in Hebrews 10 and 30, he says this, Vengeance uh, is mine. I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. All the evil, all of just the stuff that is happening within our world today, we would be naive to think that God is not going to take it into his hands when he comes back. 
So I do want to pray um, for what's going on in our nation, for what's going on in our world. Um, and I'm sure for you parents, this hits different for you. If you have family near Texas, Buffalo, it hits a little different for you. Um, but as a church, right, uh, I, I've been seeing a lot of things that prayer, like people don't need your thoughts and prayers, which, which it, to a degree I understand, but Jesus prayed a whole lot. He prayed for you. Um, he, prayed for, he prayed for himself. He prayed for this world. He died for this world. Uh, and to think that prayer does not work, it, it would be crazy of us. Because prayer is action. Prayer is one of the biggest weapons we have against what is evil, uh, what is just things that take us out. And, and so I do want to pray for us this morning, and then we will get into our, our last week of, of this series. So let me pray for us. God, um, I felt like I just came out guns blazing, um, but I, I think that's from you. Um, Sorry for using that, that phrase also. Uh, but, but I do pray um, that those families who have lost loved ones, that you will comfort them. Um, that you will love on them, that you will send people uh, who will point them to Christ. And God, that, man, you send the right leaders to, to, to really do something. Um, you're in control of all of it. And that's so hard to, to, to believe sometimes. Um, so, but you say nothing's hidden from you. You say you, you understand us. Um, you say vengeance is yours. So as a people of God, as people who, uh, who are so small and yet serve a big God, help us to trust that you know what you're doing. And help us to, us to find comfort in that. And again, we just ask for comfort for those families. Um, and that you bring your justice, your vengeance. Uh, and I know this is hard to say for, for, for me being uh, young and young in marriage. God, I, I pray that you will come back soon. Because um, that's probably the greatest thing that can happen. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're joining us, we've been in this series called One Another's, um, and literally there's just been a laundry list of, of, of scripture where it talks about loving one another, encouraging one another. I don't even know all the other ones that you guys went through. This is like my first time being in service uh, for the past eight weeks, and I'm up here, so <laughs> I don't actually know uh, the whole entire series. It was like forgiving one another. What other ones did you guys go through? Pray for one another? Yeah, I guess that would have been an obvious one, right? Um, and so, man, you guys, huh? Confess. What do you have to confess right now, Mike? I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. You don't have to. Mm, man, your wife was going to be super mad. No. <laughs> But right, uh, we have been going through this one another series, and, and today we're, we're going through this last topic, uh, very similar to encouraging one another, um, uh, but, but the last topic is stirring up one another. 
All right, and so we're going to be in this scripture, uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 19 through 25. And uh, we're going to read this chunk right now that really sets us up, okay? It's going to really set us up as to why we even want to encourage one another, all right? Because naturally, some of us are just jerks, right? Naturally, some of us don't like to be encouraging. Some of us, uh, we like to rag on each other, just as the culture we live in. But scripture goes sometimes goes against everything that we knew. And so uh, we're going to read just this first chunk. It's going to be a little weird, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you as best as I can. Okay? Uh, and so in Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a Great, great priest over the house of God, let us draw near uh, with the true heart and full assurance of faith, um, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, right? I, I know, um, you know, if you read that, it's, it's super confusing, okay? Uh, and it's, it's understandable, all right? This is a lot of new Old Testament language that the author of Hebrews is, is talking about. So uh, hopefully I can really help you understand this, okay? So back in the Old Testament, um, and you might have some knowledge of this, back in the Old Testament, uh, in order, uh, God set up this thing called the sacrificial system, Okay, sim simply put, the sacrificial system. He used this guy named Moses to set all of it up, right? If you've ever heard of the Ten Commandments uh, and all that stuff, Moses, God used Moses to set all those things up, okay? And so he set up this sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And what this um, system was for is that uh, there would be a high priest, Okay, uh, coming from this lineage of, of Levi, from this family of Levi, this chosen lineage where they were mad holy, okay, and um, there would be this high priest that would enter this place called the Holy of Holies. Not anyone just could come into this, this particular place. It was blocked off by a curtain, okay, and what would happen in this place called the Holy of Holies is that animals would die. Okay, the high priest would slay two animals in particular, okay, to gain forgiveness from God uh, for the forgiveness of this whole nation of Israel. Okay, so in order to get forgiveness in the Old Testament, a high priest had to enter this place called the Holy of Holies, kill an animal, and by killing the animal, you are forgiven. Simple as that. Okay. Um, but if you did not come correct into this Holy of Holies, all right, whether you were the high priest or not, you were going to die. Because in this Holy of Holies it is a very sinless place. It is, a, it is where the presence of God dwelt in this one particular place. So not anyone could just enter it. So if you were wandering and wondering, like, oh, what's this curtain, and you were not allowed in there, you would go in there and you would be dead. You would probably see your feet through the curtain, and they would just drag you out and say, this dude didn't belong in here. He's dead. Too bad. Right? And so this is what, this was the system in the Old Testament in order for you to have a good relationship with God. 
You had to kill, kill an animal. You had to have a priest of that year to enter in. And that was it. And so this is what Hebrews is saying. All right. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, why can we enter the holy place? It's because of Jesus' blood. All right. Blood was so important in the Old Testament because it represented life. It represented um, just a living organism. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying, therefore, since we have confidence to enter into this holy place, that we don't need a pastor, that we don't need a, a priest, that we don't need some special dude that you, a so-called normal person, can enter into this holy place place and approach God um, and talk to him. You could talk to him. You could speak to him, right? Uh, a lot of us have this view of God that he's just a guy in the air looking at us again and waiting just to take us out. But that's not who he is. He is not untouchable. He is touchable, right? He came through his son who died for us, who rose for us, right? This is the confidence. This is the hope. This is the gospel that this guy is talking about. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence in the hope of Christ, since we have confidence in the gospel of Jesus. So since we have confidence that we can come to Jesus boldly in our bedroom, in our bathroom, in the shower, at our home, right? We don't need to come into a building that you individually can come to the Lord confidently, knowing that he's not going to reject you, knowing that he's not just going to straight up just judge you, but he's going to keep you accountable, but he's also going to accept you and love you. He wants you. This is the confidence that we have in Christ that he wants you. And this is exactly what this is saying, that you don't have to do the Old Testament stuff no more, that we have confidence to come to a high priest who understands us. And so that's why he sets it up, to help you understand, to help us understand that it's that easy to come to God. It's that easy to speak to him, that we can come to him boldly. Because if you belong to Jesus, you are his son, you are his daughter. And so you could come to him with complete confidence, knowing that your dad, that father God is going to say, hey, what's up, what do you need? How can I talk to you? How can I love on you? How can I accept you? How can I correct you? And, and so this is where it, set, it really sets us up, right? That we have this confidence in the Lord. Um, and because of the gospel, right? because of the gospel, um, because that we, we can have confidence to come before the Lord. Uh, he says this. this. This is one of our, this is where we get into our one another's. In verse 23, he says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Don't doubt that God wants you. Don't doubt that God loves you. Don't doubt that God died for you, right? That is the confession. That is our, our hope. That is our confidence, right? For he who has promised is faithful. Um, in verse 24 and 25, this is where our main uh, scripture is. He says this, right? Uh, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
verse 25, and not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day is drawing near. Um, we're going to see two things here, right? The first thing, right, because we have this confident, confidence and hope because of the gospel of Jesus, right, because we have a motive, a purpose to stir one another up. He says this, right, stir one another up to love and good works. Stir, love, stir one another up uh, to love and good works. Um, and so that verse simply says, right, get pumped for Jesus. <laughs> There's no special meaning to what verse 24 is saying. He's saying, get pumped for Jesus. Right? Get excited. Get excited that God loves you. And that not he only just loves you, but he loves the person on the street. He loves every single person around here, right? He died for you and I and everyone else in the world. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be with him. And so that should pump you up. And that's simply what this scripture is saying. Get pumped for Jesus. And maybe you haven't been pumped for Jesus in a long time, and, and that, that might say something about our hearts. Uh, I just want to, to, if you could remember, um, have you ever met someone who's just absolutely in love with Jesus? Raise your hand if you, right? They're different. They're oddly weird, a little bit. And that's fine, right? Being, being, being a lover of Jesus, sometimes you will look weird. Uh, but in their weirdness, right, you, there's two, two reactions we could get. We could be like, dude, you're, you're doing something real weird. Or we could be like, man, that guy has something that's really, I want that. It's contagious. When someone is in love with Jesus, it's super, super contagious, Something about someone who was pumped up for the God of the Bible, there is something about them that is just so contagious. And um, this idea, right, I, I just want us to get this picture um, of stirring each other up. Uh, again, uh, I'm sure I talk about it a lot, right? The gym, right? Uh, in particular, the CrossFit gyms, um, Okay, in particular CrossFit gyms, if you're looking for a gym, go to Mesquite CrossFit or Spring Lake CrossFit. Is there's a plug. If you live in Grand Haven, train in Grand Haven. Um, <laughs> um, I better get free memberships now. Uh, but, <laughs> right, uh, these gyms, for some reason, they, they, they just stir each other up in a good way. Okay, there's a good way to stir each other up and a bad way to stir each other up. But for, in particular, these CrossFit gyms, they stir each other up really well. And, and sometimes I think they're better than the church. They, they do community better sometimes. They encourage each other sometimes because their one mission, right, is to get fit. It's simple, simple as that. And so... Uh, there's always in a CrossFit gym, if you've ever entered one, uh, when there's a class going on, there's always one to three people who are last, right? It doesn't feel good to be last, Bruce, right? Um, right? It does not feel good, right? It does not feel good to be the last one just sweating your face off, right? You got a you hundred squat, uh, 
whatever, air squats left, right? And then there's a whole entire class looking at you like, dude, how are you still doing 100, right? Um, but it happens. But there's always one person, super sweet, one super sweet person who's always like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. You got 100 more? 99 left. 98, 97, you got this, right? It, it's, it's super annoying if you're the guy getting pumped up, right? But right, when, that, when the whole class sees this one person just pumping this person up, it gets really contagious. Then the whole class goes around Bruce and says, dude, right? The whole class goes around Bruce and says, dude, you got this. Keep going. Keep going. Bruce might not like it, right? The person might not like it, but the whole class is in one mission of saying, dude, you got this. You could finish this. You could finish this well. Let's go. Let's go. And this is what exactly Hebrews is saying, right? To stir up one another. It's actually saying provoke one another to do good. Irritate one another to love, to, to good works. And, and I just want to be part of a church where it's so annoying to pump each other up that we're just like, you know, I'm just going to do it. Right? I'm just going to do it for Jesus. And this is exactly what good stirring up one another looks like. Where we're just pumping each other up and saying, you got this. You could do this for Jesus. You can. You could really do this. You could really give that person a burger at the side of the road. I know it's super awkward, right? But you could do that. Go. Go get two burgers. Give it to the next person. Help someone with that gasoline tank. I don't know if he's going to scam you or not, but if God's saying, hey, help that person uh, with some gas, do it. Right? And we need people around us to say, hey, you got this. You got this. You could do this. Right? If you want to do that for the Lord, go do it. Right? That's an example of just, just irritable, good stirring up. And this is what Hebrews 24 is saying. 1024 is saying, right? Let us stir each other up to love and to do good works. Um, bad examples of, of what stirring up can be like. Um, this is what, what got me pr- pretty, as I was preparing this, this message. Um, stirring up one another is really hard, naturally for me. Um, I love to rag on people. As you can tell, I was ragging on a real person, Bruce, right? Um, <laughs> I got to stop using his name. Um, <laughs> right, just, just naturally, uh, I, I like to rag on people. Um, in my heart, I like to make fun of people. Um, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Uh, but I'm not good at stirring people up. Um, I'm just not. And, and that's not okay, right? If someone, compliment, like, if someone compliments me or whatever, like nice calves, right? I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm just talking about, I'm just, I'm just talking now. But right, it, it, when, when someone compliments me or, or says anything nice, right? My first reaction is like, ew, get away from me, man. Get away from me. Something's wrong with you. Right? Something's wrong with you. Um, and, and, and that comes from a heart of not being able to compliment people. Right? That comes from a heart 
uh, of me not being able to stir you up and say, hey, good job, you're doing really good. Because, you know, in my mind, right, if I say good job and you're doing a bad job, I'm lying. But, but I need to be better and say, hey, you're doing a really good job, but let me show you how to do it. Uh, because that's stirring up one another. And so what bad stirring up one another looks like is simply, man, you're just, you're just against everybody. Right? You can't take a good compliment because you can't dish it out. Right? If you can't compliment one another, there's, that should be an indicator of your heart of saying, man, I do not understand, really understand the love of Jesus. Um, I don't get how Jesus cheered for us and pulled for us. And, and, and so I have this weird view of who God is that he is always ready to strike me down because I'm just going to fail him. Um, but in reality, that's not who God is. He wants He's cheering for you. He's cheering for us. Right? That, that's what God does. There, God does not bring down his people. He doesn't. And, and if, if, there's, if there's a church, if there's a, if there's a Christian that, has, that you have been looking up to all your life and then he fails and all of a sudden, like, your view of God is all messed up. That, that's not who God is. Right? And, and so I, I just want to get to this second point, right? Um, the reason why Scripture tells us, right, in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as, a, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, right, is, is because we can't do this Christian life alone. I know Jim was talking about being in community. Uh, he's not just do, saying that just to say that. Because Scripture is literally saying, look, you guys got to meet up together. Because if you don't meet up together, okay, the chances of you being stirred up for uh, the love of God and to do his work are, are very slim to none. I think a lot of us are really good at having private Christian lives, right? that don't extend outward after that. Where scripture is saying, you got to be around people to stir them up. And you need to be around people to be stirred up. And the thing is, the people in this time of Hebrews, right, um, the reason why the author is saying, like, don't stop meeting together is because the reason why they weren't meeting, okay, is, is because of persecution, right? Because people were dying for the name of Christ, because people were getting uh, straight up just murdered uh, because of the name of Christ, right? Uh, it, was, it was true persecution. But today, I think some of our priorities, right, some of the thing, reasons why we don't meet up together is because our, our, our priorities are all mixed up. Right? And so, Bruce, if you want to put that up real quick, right, one of the main enemies, um, right, next slide. One of the main enemies for us not to meet regularly with other followers of Jesus is not persecution, but priorities. Okay? One of the main enemies uh, that we don't meet regularly together is not, is not persecution, right? but it's simply priorities.
Guys, when we love something, we make time for it. I think you know that more than anyone. You like golfing? You'll golf for eight hours. Take your day off if you need to. Camping? You skip in church for it. Right? I'm not trying to guilt. I'm saying take your vacations. Do it. Because that, that's what Jesus would do. But what I'm saying is don't sacrifice, okay? Don't sacrifice time with God's people, right? Don't, don't let that become part of a list. Let that become a priority. Meeting people with other followers of Jesus is necessary for you to be encouraged and for you to learn how to stir other people up. This is something I'm learning every single day, right? Leading a missional community right now is I got to learn how to say, hey, that, you, that was a really good job. Uh, you got that right on the head. You, you, you did it, right? Because naturally, I don't want to say that. Naturally, I want to say, man, you interpreted that scripture so wrong. Um, what's wrong with you, right? That's, that's my natural instinct, and, and that's not good. So meeting together with people helps us to stir each other up for the good. All right? We can't not meet together. It's necessary for our walk with the Lord to further it, to deepen it, to fall more and more in love with Jesus, right? Um, if you're not stirring each other up, it's a good litmus test of how your relationship with Jesus is. The chances are is that you're not spending time with him. You're not opening scripture. You're not, you're not praying to him. You're most likely not meeting together with other people. And if you are meeting with, together with other people, they're most likely, likely just like you, and they're toxic, and, and they're not encouraging each other. Um, so I, I'm just... I'm just going to ask you, man, in order to stir one another up, right, you have to understand that Jesus wants you, that Jesus loves you. He wants, you to, he wants to be with you. Right? In, in order to stir one another up, right, we got to meet regularly together to be stirred and to stir. Right? One of my favorite Bible verses um, and I had to remind myself daily of this. Um, and because it just helped me understand that, that I serve and love a God and want, or trying to love a God who actually is pushing for me, um, who's actually cheering for me. In Zephaniah, it says this, um, the Lord your God, right? The Lord your God, the God of the Bible, the God you read about in the Old Testament who goes to war, and the, this loving God in the New Testament, also same person, right? Um, he says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. We have a God who is going to rejoice over us. We have a God who is going to quiet us and comfort us with his love. We have a God who wants to exalt you with loud singing. 
He is cheering for you. He is stirring you up and saying, be a good dad. You, you got this. You haven't slept for 48 hours. You're going to get some sleep soon, five years from now, right? But you got this. You're going to be a good mother. You're going to be a good wife. You're going to be a good husband. You're, 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 you got this. You're going to fail sometimes, but get back up. Come on, come on, come on. Keep going, keep going. So this is what Hebrews is saying, right? Stir one another up. Stir one another up to love, to good works. Right? How we do that right, is, is not neglecting to meet together, but meeting together. And so if, 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 you, if you've been church hopping and you're looking for, for a church, all right, and you found one, okay, and you found one, get plugged in. Because this right here, it, it's not enough. Okay, because I'm doing all the talking, you're doing all the laughing. There we go, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, right? You're doing all the laughing, right? There, there, it, it's, it's not even. But you get plugged into a community, right, that, a church that offers small groups, that offers um, something for you to search out God, uh, to, to learn more about God, to deepen your walk with God, to call you out, right, when your feelings are going against Scripture, right? You need that because that stirs you up. It, it helps you understand who God is. It helps you to walk faithfully with the Lord, right? And if you've been in J-Road for, for a few years now and you haven't been plugged in, I, I plead with you, please get plugged in. Right? I'm sure you think you might think that your, your views or all this stuff might be so far left that if you enter into a small group that you would just ruin it. Right? No. Hopefully these small groups are based on the gospel and not political views or anything like that. Right? And this is what the meeting, a biblical meeting, looks like. One that points everything back to Jesus. One that points everything back to the confidence we have in Christ. That's why we meet together. Because we got to keep each other accountable to point each other back to the one thing that truly matters and the one thing that can change everything that our hearts are hurting for. And that is Jesus. So I plead with you, please get plugged in. Meet with someone. Get into a group. All right. So let me, let me pray for us. God, um, I pray, man. I, I just pray that we become a people who are so... Uh, not not so much bubbly, but so encouraging that that it is just contagious. That it's weird for people when they come in. That man, that person was just so nice. Um, being nice nowadays is just really weird. But we have a God who is nice. We have a God who is kind, who is gentle, who is loving, who is patient. We have a God who is cheering for us, who, who is stirring in us and saying, you got this. 
we have the one true God who is saying, I want you. I want you to be with me. That's why I sent my son for you. I want you to experience life. I want you to experience what heaven is like a little bit here on earth. And then one day after you die, that you, you get to experience what heaven is like forever. God, it really, really sucks that if our view of you is this God who is just angry all the time, God, I pray that you will change that because that's not who you are. You are angry at the right things. You are mad about the things that you actually have to be mad at. But all the other things, you are just cheering for us. You are pulling for us. You are saying, come on, come on, you got this. I know it's hard, but you got this. We have a God who is in our midst, who's rejoicing over us, who wants to sing over us, who is glad that we are born who is glad that we are here, who is glad that we are breathing. God, I just pray. I pray if we didn't come from those homes where it was not encouraging, that we come into a family, a family of believers that where we are encouraging. I pray that we go against this make fun of each other culture, uh, but we, we become a people of saying, you, you got this. You could do this. If you need help, I got you. I got you because Jesus has me. So, God, thank you. Thank you for all you have done. Thank you for every single person that's in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.